All right, and we are welcome back to episode 63 of the Tripping Notes podcast, part of Inside the Rink. Been a while. We had a craziness, I guess, with scheduling and vacations and whatnot, but we're back. Going to bring you some good news, but let me get the boys introduced. Matt, Grandy, how are we doing, boys? Pretty good. I feel like I have heat stroke today. You know, anybody living in Arizona knows what I'm talking about, but doing all right. I'm doing pretty good. Just been weathering some crazy storms up here in Minnesota. And the heat wave is starting to reach up here now, too. So, fun stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm glad we got some storm. What was it last night before? It was, it was really nice. It cooled down at least a little bit, but not as much as a uh, certain prospect. I get in to say for the support. It was awesome. We had great numbers. I think last I checked, we were the most watched on the uh sports underground channel i'll double that but thank you so much for all those that watched all almost four hours of it but going back to it now as i kind of alluded to coolies here and it's it's an exciting time probably the most exciting we've been since this rebuild kind of started and i guess uh grandy if you you know i know you wrote an article about it but what should we expect from coolie being here was this going to be a you know stanley cup victory in a year or what do we got going you think I think the biggest thing to expect is an incredibly fun year. This is quite possibly the best forward group I've seen the Coyotes have with some incredibly offensive defensemen in the back end with Dursey and uh, Valamaki and Moser put up pretty good numbers in that regard too last year. So I think we're not... I still don't think we're going to make the playoffs. I think we're going to be slightly improved on last year, but it's going to be an incredibly, incredibly fun team to watch. Um, You're talking about a great top nine that all three lines should be able to roll and score. And yeah, it's, it's going to be so fun. And of course, Cooley alone is going to be worth the price of a mission, but to have Cooley and Keller and Schmaltz and Kraus and Macelli, oh, and Gunther, yeah, it's going to be fun. That that right there is the biggest thing. Matt, what the what's your expectations though? Um, I'm expecting big things from Cooley. I'm I'm not thinking he's going to win the Calder or anything like that, but it it wouldn't surprise me to see him be a nominee. Um, I look at Clayton Keller's rookie season, um, you know, 65 points, relatively modest. Matt Barzell finished with, what, 85 that year, um, ended up winning the Calder. I, I would venture to guess that that's kind of the, the year we're going to see out of those two and how that's going to go. So I, I would put his expectations right around what Clayton Keller had. Um, the Coyotes' biggest issue right now still remains center depth. They did a lot to add wingers. They brought back um, Nick Bukestad. He'll probably slot in as the third line center, but I uh, and and he played great here last year. But um, it's a lot to put on Cooley. You're hoping Barrett Hayton has a full season where he does what he did last year, uh, or I'm sorry for the second half of last year. Um, but I, I still think it's going to be a roller coaster type season, a season full of streaks. They might win six straight and then lose seven straight. It's just going to be that kind of year. 
If you don't mind me jumping back in here, I think That's something right. a lot for our for our Arizona fans, something similar to kind of what the D-backs are currently going through, where you see the potential, you see the hope, but they're not quite there yet. They still need that. They still need those piece or twos, but there's so much reason for optimism. There's going to be reason for hope. And like I said, this team, no matter what happens in the record, will be fun to watch this year. And I don't think there's been moments where the team was fun the last couple of years, but I nothing like what we're going to see this year. Would you say Cooley is the best center we've ever drafted? I know he hasn't touched the ice. I know that is a totally, you know, wild statement to ask, but is this the one we, if you had to go by potential alone, would you say he's probably the most exciting slash best center we've drafted, Matt? Would you say that's something maybe? No, I, if you're going off strictly potential and, and just what you think you're getting in the draft year, um, I, I think Dylan Strom would still, he had more hype. He was supposed to be a number one pick in any other draft, but he had to go behind a generational talent in McDavid and a, a for sure franchise player in Eichel. Um, I think we're going to get the first franchise first line center that the team's ever drafted. But as far as hype goes, um, that would be the only, only place I disagree and everybody knows how Strom turned out and how unfortunate that was. I remember that. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to hit the ice. I mean, I definitely uh, seeing that. I love the way the uh, the Twitter admin too really hyped it up. That was that was fun. That was that that my order needs to be get a raise. So what? what yeah, that was funny about. That was pretty cool. That like the Coyotes Twitter was actually like the first thing to break the whole story. Because normally it's Friedman or it's Saravalli or one of those guys, you know, they're the first on scene to say, this is what we're hearing. And the first tweet that anybody sees is from the Coyotes themselves. That was really cool. It, it was kind of funny, though, too, how that tweet went over so many people's heads. Yeah. They just thought it was a – there was a lot of people I saw that just thought it was another – troll of a tweet from the Twitter admin and it's like temps cooling down 92 mm-hmm. like it's coolie oh once you, put, saw the, that once too. you put it together though it was just it was so fun so I felt I saw like 92 it's like it's not a high 92 it's like high 109 and I was like oh oh I got it it took me that brief little second but I, I did catch one I was like the heck if if but they were have, okay. like really on the ball and they did like eighteen degrees Celsius, because eighteen is the number he wore at camp. Oh yeah, could have right. done it yeah. either way. Could have done it either way, and it still would have been great. Well, he's it's already been announced he's wearing ninety two this year, so I think that's yeah, why it, they it was ninety two. Well, he he hadn't or it wasn't official that he was ninety two. He hadn't signed yet at that point, so they could have done it either way. And I think the same amount of people still would have missed it, but. Still would have been fun. Canadians would have got it. He's in Celsius. They would probably would have got it before us, but like 18 degrees. But did, did we know why he chose 92 over 18? Was there a reason? Because I don't know if 18's taken, is it? I don't Honest, think it is. no, it's not. 
honestly, I'm not sure. And it's kind of odd because Kalio Chonak has worn 92 the last two years. Um, and uh, we don't know that Kalio Chonak going to be in the NHL, but or this season, I should say. But to me, there's a little bit of surprise there that, you know, that was just given to him. All right, you can be 92. Oh, I see McDavid's 97, Gresko's 99. I think a lot of the big centers maybe use the big number. Is maybe why? I don't know. I'm trying to think of some rationale, but I can't think seeing, of one. Seeing a lot of numbers in the 90s lately. It's it's kind of making I mean, a comeback. Trend. Yeah. Works for me. We just we the next are... just need to get a good 91 so I can have somebody wear my number. There you go. My jersey. Get on the ice. Go apply. It's the worst that could happen. Might need you. What's the worst? Get? I, I think we well know what's the worst that could happen there. It, it would not be a fun sight. It would not be pretty. I've, I'm recording it the whole way, so I mean, I'll be having fun. I can barely ice skate. I'm learning how to skate now. And that's seeing me bust my ass in my own freaking neighborhood has been a treat. Moving on to the next, we have McBain and Yannick are kind of this weird arbitration battle going on. Uh, McBain, I think he wanted to get what one year, two point five million. Over the Kaiser proposed like one point two for two years, whatever it was, some of that number. And then I know Yannick declined his. So what do you think? Uh, do you think they're going to stick around and make us our max at fifty, or do you think Yannick will walk over to Europe? Over wants to. I th- so I don't I think. think- okay. I think the issue with Unique is, I think yeah, I think the issue with Unique is pretty cut and dry. Honestly, I think he wants to push for the NHL team. He wants a one-way contract, and for obvious reasons, being that right now we don't have a roster spot for him, the Coyotes probably don't want to give him that. Um, but I think that's going to be the biggest thing with him. Now, maybe there's a few trades that free up some roster spots, that free up some moments for him, that give him a chance to come here and play. But just given that more than likely he's making under a million no matter what, I would think that's the biggest holdup is a one-way versus two-way with him. Um, I do feel he'll eventually sign. He's good enough, I feel, to be a bottom six player, especially once he gets some more ice time under him. But... It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. As far as McBain, this is one that I think even more so than the money, it's the term. Because the Coyotes want him at two years. McBain wants it at one year. So I it's going to be interesting to see how that arbitration shakes out. Even if McBain wins money-wise, I think the term might be the more important factor there. Matt, what's your thoughts? Yeah, so I I really think this is going to come in just about where Barrett Hayton's last contract came in. Uh, two years, 1.855 or something like that. Um, realistically, that's just about right down the middle between them as far as money goes. Um, I, don't, I don't even know that McBain quite cares that much about term, but I, I think that the big thing to notice here is that both of them are are asking for total salary at two and a half million. Um, so 
I, I don't necessarily think it's money or I'm sorry. I don't necessarily think it's term. I think McBain is looking at, at collecting his money in one year um, or, or collecting two, five and getting a shot uh, right away to add, add some extra change. He wants to bet on himself. And this would be the year to do it because I do think um, he might supplant Bukestad as the number three center as the year goes along. And if he does, um, you know, he's probably in for a pretty big paycheck. Um, this is one of those cases where I, where I do agree that term can have an effect on it. I think the money is the bigger deal here because if it doesn't happen, um, this is, this is his collect it one year. You get arbitration again, one more year, and then you become a UFA. So, uh, we saw it with, um, Sorry, not Coyotes, but we saw this with Sam, Samsonov getting his second, or I'm sorry, Matt Murray went through two years of arbitration, and his second one paid out real big. Um, and I think that's something to keep an eye on, uh, especially considering where McBain might end up playing or what role he might play this year. As far as Unique goes, I don't think Europe is quite the option, I think eventually it gets to the point where either he signs or he basically tells the coyotes i'm not going to sign and the coyotes say okay well we'll take the the roster spot if you're going to go to europe we'll just let you go to another team he's not going to be a top six forward so the the threat that that comes back to bite you that you let you know a, a guy like that walk probably isn't that high but i agree with grandy i think he wants playing time and right now uh, he might be I don't know, 16th in in line. I mean, you look at the the two extra forwards this year, and it's probably going to be Carcone and Liam O'Brien. And then you have Yannick and Smith battling. And then the Coyotes brought in Zach Sanford as well. So there's there's a lot of competition to be the first guy called up, let alone get called up, up and get slotted in. I do have uh, one thing to add. Uh, his agent, Unique's agent, added uh, this tweet. I'm going to go ahead and read it verbatim here. Uh, fact, any NHL team can sign an offer sheet with other teams' restricted free agent at one one million four hundred whatever a bunch of numbers. AAV or less for no compensation, and then in quotes, while or brackets, while other team maintains right to match. Never made any sense why NHL teams don't use this tool that exists within the CBA more often. Is that kind of like a... I guess like a thinly, a thinly veiled threat to kind of be like, Hey, you know, you could sign somewhere else. You know, you might want to get your guy. Is that kind of what he's saying, suggesting by tweeting that out or is that just a agent thing? Agents have from, been pushing for from more a player and agent standpoint. It's a great thing. Yeah. It, it's a great yeah. thing for players and for agents. They're, they're going to collect money that way. It's a bad thing for GM relations across the league though um, you put yourself in a position where you out and sign somebody else's RFA, you know, for a million or even less, but they're still negotiating. They still think maybe there's some trade value there. Um, and you take that out from under them. I mean, granted, this isn't the scale that we saw with Carolina and, you know, Montreal may, or um, I'm sorry, Montreal offer sheeting, Aho, and then, Carolina coming back and doing it to KK the next year. And, you know, that will back and forth. And I don't know that we'd ever see 
a trade between those teams right now. Even if both GMs are gone, I'm not sure ownership is going to be okay seeing those two teams talk trade. It sours working relationships. And if you're going to offer sheet somebody that might not even play in the NHL and potentially sour a relationship that you could build a trade out of at a later date, you know, that's, that's a big risk to take as a GM. So Matt, I have a question for you based on this RFA talk. What is the first thing you think of when you think of Dustin Penner? When I think of Dustin Penner? Dustin Penner, especially in relations to Brian Burke. You, you know, not, I don't have an answer for you, honestly. So, I, Dustin, so Penner was, Dustin Penner was an Anaheim Duck who was offersheeted by the GM of the Edmonton Oilers. Oilers. I can't remember the that GM's name, but the Ducks GM at the time was Brian Burke. And Burke, or I might have that reverse actually. It might have been the Ducks who offer sheeted the Oilers. I can't remember the I can't remember the details off the top of my head. But Burke essentially went livid, went completely nuts, and was openly threatening to have a barnyard scrap with the GM of the other team. That it just doesn't help. Yeah, it, team relations go downhill. GM relations go downhill. It's why we don't see more of this, and it's why we probably won't ever see more of this. On top of the compensation. Yeah, I I agree that we won't see it on lesser players, but I I still think I, I didn't mind Montreal offer sheeting Aho, and in. In fact, Carolina probably shouldn't have been that upset about it because they got him at a great price for four years because of it. Um, there are situations where, uh, yeah, you, as a GM, you're upset that somebody stuck their nose into your negotiating and in your negotiations and kind of derailed it, basically. But the inverse in that is this exists for players and when you're talking about high-end players who might be looking at, you know, 10 million a year or 11 million a year, um, it's kind of a big deal for them when, you know, you're trying to negotiate for that. And the team that you're on as an RFA has 7 million to spend and they're doing everything they can to argue with you and, and fight with you and bring that number down as far as they can so that they don't have to make any other roster moves when you deserve more money. And if another team wants to come in and pay you that and give up the compensation for it, I think it's a great thing for the players. And at that point, as a GM, you have to understand that you put the team together, you overspent elsewhere, and you didn't put yourself in a in a good enough position to then sign that player. So I do think there are circumstances where it has to happen. And quite honestly, I'm, I'm really surprised Nobody had offer sheeted William Nylander when that went all the way into December and he signed for just under $7 million, uh, or sorry, it went to November 30th, the day before the cutoff. Um, and he signed for just under $7 million. And that's one of those scenarios where he should have been paid a million and a half more 
over the last couple of years, and he wasn't. And another team that came in would have had Toronto by the balls because they didn't have the cap space, the long-term cap space to do more. And they knew that. And the compensation would have been, what, like a first, a second, and a third-round pick for William Nylander, and it would have been better for the player. So I, I do think we should see it more. I think it benefits the game quite a bit. But I, I would say it would be pretty frowned upon to see somebody signed for $2 million over a year, you know, just to pull somebody off of somebody's roster and you have to give up a third-round pick for them. So it's kind of like a, flipping a bat in baseball, one of those unspoken rules, why we don't see it as much. I mean, I think William Nylander is probably worth a good the, amount of job. Yeah. The other thing yeah. in relation to a unique offer sheet, too, is – the Coyotes can match, and then Yannick is in the same exact scenario here. Now you have to pro- you have to send him through waivers, and he could get claimed, but I'm pretty sure he's waiver eligible, so you have to send him through waivers anyways on a two-way contract. So either way, he's in the same boat if he offers sheets with another team and the Coyotes match, or he signs with the Coyotes. He's if, going to be if we stick to the idea both. that if we stick to the idea that he wants a one-way contract, the Coyotes may not match at that point for that roster spot. You know, you're at 50 with Yannick and McBain, and you know they want McBain. They gave up a second-round pick for him. They're not gonna gonna walk away from him. Um, so Yannick fills your your last roster spot. If he signs an offer sheet from another team on a one-way contract, even if it is league minimum, um, you know you're you're paying him that to then play in the AHL. And at that point, do you really want to match him? I mean, as if, much it, as much as I love Unique, Nathan Smith's a better better player. And the Coyotes also similarly gave up assets to go out and get him as well. He is ahead of him in this rotation. Yeah, I, I just if somebody offers sheeted him, I don't see a scenario where the Coyotes match it if it's a one-way contract. And I don't see Yannick signing a two-way deal unless you know, unless some team offers him, you know, a 950k two-way deal. Um you know, that, that being the max salary and they offer him say, you know, 200,000 in performance bonuses or something like that on a two way deal. Then maybe you talk about it a little bit maybe you need sign something like that. Because if, if you're incentivizing performance bonuses, that means that potentially you're going to play in the, in the NHL as opposed to the AHL. Well, I guess um, another topic I wanted to get with you guys, too. I know it is a bit old at this point. I know it's kind of been resolved, but I did want to talk about the Galchenyuk situation. Uh, not so much what he did, but the, the player assistance side. Just give you a brief thoughts. I know this is, you know, obviously some old news, but, you know, scheduling conflicts and such. But um, uh, I remember seeing when it first happened and, he, you know, we, we Coyotes cut him. I remember seeing some people just concerned that he, you know, wouldn't be able to get player assistance. But he got to keep it. So, I mean, I'm guessing, I mean, what do you guys really make of it? Yeah. I guess just your brief thoughts. One thing I want to say about that is you get to keep the NHLPA benefits for, I think it's a year after the date of your last contract. So 
it was never a, oh, well, he's not going to get the these benefits because the Coyotes cut him. No, he was going to always get them. The Coyotes cutting them had nothing to do with them. It was more, they just didn't want that around their team. Very understandably. Yeah, yeah, For definitely. me, I am just very happy that he is getting the help he needs. He needs this for himself more than anything else. Uh, even outside, even if he never plays another NHL game again, for his life going forward, he needs this. So I am very happy to see him getting that help that he that he needs and that he deserves. So I'm happy for that. And I wish him the best of luck. But the Coyotes made the right call with what they did. Agreed. Matt, anything to add? Nope. Nope. I agree with all of that, 100%. The only thing I gotta add is my dad even texted me about it. He's hoping I don't have this guy's jersey. He sent me the link to it. I mean, I already heard about it, but it was just funny that even he got to hear about that. So there's no other about the NHL, so I was like, oh man, Galchenyuk, you really, really did one of that so, one. My dad's hearing about it. So one thing I don't understand is how why this story got so blown out of proportion because yeah. on inside the rink, our most read story year to date is that story, the Galchenyuk story. Oh, really? I don't understand why it was this blown out of proportion. Hmm. This has happened with other players. It's an almost yearly occurrence where this happens with some player in the league. It is tragic, and it, usually they go get the help, but this was blown way out of proportion, especially the Coyote side in it. I was going to say, I think it's just because we're under the scope right now, just with the you know Tempe vote and the, the countless whatever's going on. I think that's maybe why it got the traction it did, just because, I mean, we're not very popular amongst the NHL, to be honest. So, No, my, my biggest problem in agreement with Grandy is the fact that so many people didn't want to stop digging into what actually happened with Galchenyuk. And, uh, you know, we've seen players like... Um, you know, Bobby Ryan enter the program and not a single word is written about it. You know, the, there's just a, a team generic statement. Bobby Ryan is taking a leave of absence, personal reasons. And then you hear he's checked himself into the program and that's it. And it's happened with multiple players. I think Jacob Vrana is another one that went through oh, it. Yeah. And yeah. nobody ever digs deep into, you know, what it is, why it is. I mean, remember the, the Kuznetsov thing? The NHL didn't punish him, whatever. You know, there's pictures of him doing blow off a table after they win the cup. And it's it's like Jesus a non-story. Christ. It becomes a joke. But yeah. with Galchenyuk, like, people are digging in, looking for, you know, we want the police report. We want to know what, what he did. We want to know what his BAC was. We want to know this. Why was this charged this way? What... Like, you know, obviously the dudes had, yeah, the dudes had drug problems in the past and it's not so much a secret. So realistically, you have to assume that he's under the influence of something. He's struggling with his addiction and privacy is probably the best thing for the player because there's literally nothing anybody's going to say online that Galchenyuk's going to read and be like, wow, that guy's an asshole. 
but his joke about me was funny. No, I mean, really all anybody's doing, like, think about it this way. Everybody knows somebody with an addiction problem. It might not be drugs. It could be alcohol, gambling, whatever. And everybody's online making all these jokes. And your friends with those problems are reading those things. It's not good for anybody, especially the player at this point, because what what gets addicts going back to it is that depression and that need for it to cover up what they don't want to go through in that moment. And that's what everybody is basically piling on at that point. So a huge, huge fail on quite a few people who really tried to push to make this a bigger story than it needed to be. Yeah. Amen. It's just, just have some empathy for the player involved. Just, have some empathy, move on, give him some privacy. Yeah. Let it be in the past so he can he can move on with his life now that he's getting the help he needs. That was the biggest yeah. step in all of this was him getting the help he needs. Absolutely. I will say, I think and I alluded to it earlier, and I'm not trying to say like, oh, it's coyotes, we're the villain. I'm not trying to say something like that, but I think if, you know, I think that probably is a part of it. I'm sure that was, we're under his scope right now, you know, but it's okay. As long as he's getting the assistance, all that really matters. So real glad about that. Before we get into kind of the next bit here, obviously you want to give a shout out to our sponsor. Uh, if you are missing out initial actions coming up soon, get your ESPN Plus subscription at InsideTheRink.com. It's ESPN. Watch all the games. We certainly will. And Cooley's in the Valley. What more do you need? So with that being said, free agency. We obviously, you know, a bit of a time to take a break, but a lot of free agency. Uh, you know, we got Alex Kerfoot, Jason Sucker, all that good stuff. What do you guys think? Uh, was do you think that? And I don't want to bring up that for reason. But you think Elliot Freeman when he said buyers was that what you envisioned when he said that? Oh, Sarah That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, I, thank. You. Sorry about that. Yeah, I I don't know if it was quite to this extent. Um, I thought they might go out and look for a name or two in free agency that might make them slightly more competitive, but they weren't going to load up. Um, I didn't expect Jason Zucker for sure. Um, I figured he would be one of the top scoring free agents available. And at 32 years old, I figured he'd be looking for a place to go in. Um, Kerfoot, uh, that's, uh, he fits what I expected. He doesn't so much move the needle, um, but solid player. A lot of people know who he is because of his time in Toronto. Um, he's going to make them a little bit more competitive. Um, Bukestad coming back, same idea. I Those were the types of moves I expected. I didn't expect Zucker, um, and I, I definitely did not expect the trade for Dursey. That was a, a big one. Yeah, at the end of the day, our biggest ad this offseason was the Sean Dursey ad. He essentially got added to the core going forward. Kerfoot is going to be a really nice depth piece who can play anywhere from your second line to your fourth line, but in the perfect world, he's in your bottom six. Um, Jason Zucker is a very exciting name who has consistently been in the 20 to 30 goal mark, who plays a really solid two-way guy, is easily one of the most likable players in the NHL is a great locker room presence. Like this guy is just great for everything the coyotes need. And 
if we are out of it at the trade deadline, this is also a guy who could fetch a really nice return at the trade deadline if he's not willing to resign after the year. So it was it was a great move that covered really all the bases. Um, but the Sean Dursey, that to me is still the one that gets the most excitement out of uh, just going forward. Um, Coyotes are still rumored to be in on Matt Dumba. They're still one of the last I saw one of the three or four teams connected to him right now with McBain and Yannick, we are at our contract limit. So we have to move someone out to, in order to even sign him. But just keep an eye on that name. That is a possibility of coming down. And that would be another huge add to this team that is just be remarkable and covers so much what we need. So just a slight correction there, Grandy. They can sign him um, without Yannick or, or I'm sorry, without Yannick signing um, because Yannick's qualifying offer did expire I believe July 15th. So even though the team does maintain his rights, there's no contract offer on the table with his qualifying offer expired. And there's no NHL contract in place with him. But um, the point still stands that if you want to keep you, right, it, you have to move out. Yeah, of at that point you have to. Um, but if Dumba decided tomorrow that he wants to sign here, um, they can absolutely sign him without moving anybody out just for clarity for, you know, for anybody that's questioning that they still do technically have those roster spots until McBain and uh, Yannick sign. And actually they don't technically have McBain's roster spot because once the player elects arbitration, um, you know, the, the team is basically in a position where they have to go with what the arbitrator says, the player can sign the contract. That's it. Um, and or I'm sorry, they can walk away from it, but that spot is in place until either the Coyotes pull the offer or until they walk away from it after arbitration. Um, so that one is technically a locked spot. And correct me if I'm wrong, his arbitration date is Monday, right? It is July Sunday. 30th. I thought it was or Sunday. Sunday or, uh, sorry. It's Sunday. Yeah. Monday, Monday is the day we should probably hear what the arbitrator awards. I don't think it's actually going to go to arbitration. Um, if anybody was paying attention when Lawson Kraus filed for arbitration, they were inside the the arbitrator's room when the Coyotes and Kraus came to an agreement uh, before the arbitration hearing started with like three minutes to spare. Arbitration is a terrible thing for the player, for the team, Um I, I don't know if if anybody else saw this, but there was a former player on Twitter who basically opened up about what his arbitration hearing was like. And I don't I don't remember who the player was or even the team, but what stuck with me was he basically said after he came out of the arbitration meeting that it was a one year contract. It was pretty close to the money that he wanted, but he said, I'm never gonna sign with this fucking team again. Oh yeah, because you're sitting there, you're sitting there yeah. in the arbitration office, being told, "This is why you don't deserve this money." Every single fault you have as a player yeah. is being brought up in that arbitration office, so that 
this is why the team's contract is fair. It doesn't, it, yeah, it's not pretty for any player that goes through it. No, and and Grandy, to your point on Kerfoot as well, I, everything you said, 100% true. I think the biggest impact he's going to have this year is going to be on the penalty kill. Um, 4v5, Kerfoot led the league in zone entries. Um, he is phenomenal at creating shorthanded chances, one of the best in the NHL. Um, he's not Michael Grabner where – you know, a, a little 50-50 puck is going to turn into a breakaway with six steps on the defender, and you can kind of count it. But he is fantastic at bringing the puck into the offensive zone, shorthanded, um, killing time along the boards, and just mucking things up. He's going to be a fantastic addition to the penalty kill this year. Uh, Zucker, I, I agree with you. He's a, a very good two-way player. Most of the time, um, he's had some defensive shortcomings the last couple of years, not terrible. Uh, some of it's to be expected with age. Um, uh, he's, I don't want to say he's falling fast. He's not Phil Kesseling his way out of the league right now. Um, but he should be, uh, he's going to be a 25 goal guy. Um, especially if he gets some top power play minutes with Keller and Schmaltz. He's got a fantastic shot, and he brings a lot to that middle six as a winger. Um, it's a great signing. Arizona had to overpay a little bit, I think, to get him here. Uh, 5.3 is probably a little higher than it would have taken, you know, say Dallas or Vegas to get him signed. But I do think it makes the team quite a bit more competitive. I think he's a fantastic role model for a guy like Dylan Gunther. I think those two are going to play very similar games um, as Dylan Gunther's career progresses. Uh, I I do think Zucker would be the the perfect type of player for Gunther to try and emulate in his young career. Yeah, I keep forgetting that. I go back to his time with Minnesota as a two-way player, and really a lot of that might have even been the – in the system he was in that helped him be more of a two-way player. I honestly didn't play, pay much attention outside of his stats when he was with Pittsburgh. So, so yes. yeah, and then we had two guys brought back, Bukestad and Troy Stetcher. And I, I don't know what this means to you guys, but this is huge in terms of like other teams looking in, other fans looking in. Um, you know, Arizona is supposed to be this dumpster that nobody ever would want to go to and want to play for and whatever. They signed Bukestad last year. They trade him to Edmonton at the deadline. He goes to a contender and he re-signs in Arizona. And we're not talking about like, oh, it's July 21st and he doesn't have any offers. And Arizona says, yeah, we'll bring you back cheap, you know, if you want to come play. He signed right away. He came back right away. Stetcher traded to Calgary, he's back right away. Um, there's guys that want to play in Arizona, and it might not look like it, you know, when you're talking about does, you know, I don't know, does John Tavares want to waive his new trade clause to go to Arizona? Probably not. But do most NHL players care that 
Arizona's in the situation they're in when you look at the city, when you look at the direction they're going. No, this this right here is proof positive. Um, seeing Bukestad and Stetcher come back that Arizona's doing a lot of things right, and it's a desirable place for NHL players to play. Um, and I bring that up because there's still a ton of talk about Clayton Keller is going to want out. And after Logan Cooley signed, there were actually some people that were like, this is Logan Cooley signing and he's going to demand a trade, but it's his way to get into the NHL now. And it adds value to another team who's going to trade for him and so on and so forth. Um, that's not the case for anybody saying that. No. People need no, to understand that. makes no sense. That. Players, Plus, like, players are coming back to Arizona as free agents. And I think... I think it was maybe this draft or last draft. I remember uh, Bill Armstrong saying like he wants to get players in that want to be Coyotes, that want to be. You know, Cooley. Yeah, it was when Cooley was drafted, he drafted players like that. And I think Cooley could have stayed in Minnesota. I mean, yeah, I know some of his teammates went in the NHL, but like he could have if he really didn't want to play here. In his air quotes, there, you, know, you guys can't really see him. Um, I, I think he would have just stayed in Minnesota, and then they are perfectly yeah. Bukestad. I mean, I think we're just we're starting to become. Besides the golf and the weather, I think we're becoming a team that you want to play for. You have Clayton Keller, Cooley. I mean, it's just – sorry, Canada, but it's working out with, over here. What are you saying, Grandy? Oh, with the Cooley wanting to play here, if he had gone back to college, he would have been the de facto Hobie Baker favorite. Him coming to Arizona opened up that race to just about anyone. But he would have been the de facto, and Minnesota would have been – one of probably not the favorite due to some of the losses they took, but one of the favorites to win the national championship. Both of those took huge hits with him coming to back. So he had plenty of reason to stay in Minnesota. Him, even if he had never signed here, it was never a sign that he didn't want to play here. The Keller one just blows my mind that people are still saying it because it's, you have to pay zero attention to what is going on in this market because and they probably don't, to be honest, to be fair. Keller was, per Cooley himself, Keller was instrumental in talking Cooley into signing. Keller has been at the forefront of every free agent discussion. Zucker said once he signed here, one of the first players that contacted him was immediately Clayton Keller. Um, so he's the captain. He's the captain. He's the captain I mean, Coyote. Pretty much, yeah, he pretty much is a captain at this point. Uh, I mean... I, I, I can't imagine it goes to anyone else. Yeah, it can't be. No. But and then Nick Bukestad, we talked about at the trade deadline about how there was a market of every single playoff team would have been in on him because of what he brings as a versatile bottom six player. Same exact thing goes for the free agent market. Most teams can afford that cap hit. Any team that can afford the cap hit would have been in on him. He had a wide open market. What he brings to teams in the bottom six is incredibly valuable, yet he chose to come here. That is so huge. It is the Cooley signing, the Bugstead signing, the Zucker signing, even if we did overpay him, all of these are just tremendous signs that Arizona is in the right direction, that we have players that want to come here and play. It's just, it is a very exciting time to be a Coyotes fan. Is Keller the booker for the NHL right now, I think, right? Uh, maybe not getting super teams. I guess he's not really getting, you know, KDs or whatever the equivalent would be. But, I mean, he's definitely yeah, making a splash. Not, 
I tell you what. I tell you what. You're we not can really call gonna... him. We can call him the Booker if we get Matthews next year. Fair enough. We'll call. So with all that said, though, with you saying Bukestead coming back here, Zucker wanting to play here, Keller being the star thing. So what you're suggesting to me, this is what I'm make sure I'm, I'm understanding this right. Hockey works in the desert is what you're you're insinuating with all these things that you boys have said to me tonight. You're saying the hockey does work here. We have a market and our market's successful. For the record. Yeah, and it's growing. It's not a stagnant market that, yeah, it's doing okay. And if they got this, they'll bring in, you know, a few more asses and seats. This is a market that has grown exponentially. Um, when you look at USA hockey numbers and new registrations year over year over year um, in both men's and women's um, and refs. I mean, Arizona is becoming a place where kids are excited to play hockey and maybe Arizona can thank the fact that it's 200 degrees all summer long and kids would just like to be at an ice rink, but the coyotes, the market hockey, uh, it works here. And eventually they're going to find a place where, they're going to have a permanent home and it's going to work here long-term. You know, to add to that too, when I went to pick up my, my uh, roller hockey blades at, at uh, what was that? in Gilbert, the easy ice inline, inline hockey, inline hockey skates. Yeah. If you. if you go to the rink and you're like, Oh, those are sweet roller blades, man. Somebody's going to laugh at you. Well, they can laugh. They're gonna make fun, they're, the money. They're good. The, they're going to make fun of you the whole game. If you call them roller hockey blades. Well, Inline hockey blades or skates, whatever, who cares? Inline skates. Inline skates. When I was there, it was a Tuesday, like at one o'clock when I had to pick them up. It was the the kids' little stick time was full. I mean, it was full of kids. The, the whole thing. I mean, it was packed. I was even I was surprised. Like on a Tuesday. I mean, I guess it is summer break still, but still, just add to your point there. I was like, it was packed full. I mean, kids of all shapes, sizes, ages, girls, boys. It was awesome. It, it really is, you know, becoming, well, as we, we've said this a million times in the podcast by now, Canada, if you don't get it now, then I'll tell you, but. That's, think, that's something that's gotten glossed over with, with the color excitement to be here with the Cooley signing here is Keller, at least his agents came on the record and said that he wanted, um, he wanted to know the plan arena wise before, anything happened his agents also represent logan cooley and they signed here so they know something they were told something about the arena there's something in motion and i'm feeling very confident about that too with all of this it the hockey works in the desert i mean it, it's and i go i forgot which one of you said it it escapes me now but just the whole conspiracy theory of, um, oh, this is Cooley's quick way to get in the NHL and treat him like that. That's like saying that, like, oh, the government's run by lizard people, but like they only show if you wear a certain glasses tilted at midnight at whatever. It's like, bro, stop, just just stop it. That that makes no sense at all. Especially, that that just go ahead. Oh, especially when you can stay the full four years and become a you unrestricted free agent and go wherever you want. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and then, like you said, you, you're, if you would have stayed, he was a guaranteed Hobie Baker, best player on his team, and, and he chose to come here. It's like that. Again, it just like it. you're almost there, Canada. Like you see it 
spelled out, and yet I don't know. I can go all day. We can we can complain about this all day. We can make an entire podcast episode about this. We probably have. So we have multiple times, and yeah, we will again, frustrating. and we will again until we get respect as a hockey market, and that's what it comes down to. All I'm hearing is we should just relocate the Blue Jays. It just makes sense more and more as I get older, as I become a wiser, almost thirty-year-old man. I see that moving to Blue Jays is the only option. That's my piece. So what if what if we sent the Blue Jays and the Raptors to the same city? Ooh, to Nashville. Or Austin? Send both of them. A package deal. I'm listening. You know, I'm listening. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a second baseball team in Seattle, and the Raptors can become the new SuperSonics. I like it. Uh, I was I'm trying in. to think of a city that doesn't have either, because Kansas City uh, can use basketball, but they have baseball. Seattle needs basketball. Oh, that market needs basketball. Yeah. So, trying to go. No, oh, Sacramento they have the Kings. Mm. I think it's I think it's Austin. I think you're right. Yeah, Austin time. would be the only one. Yeah. I, it's the one I could think of. I mean, I know the Spurs, I, I think they, I read somewhere they're kind of practicing up in Austin lately, so I don't know if that's a thing going to happen, but Carolina maybe. Oh yeah. Uh no, I, Charlotte. They have the, I, they have the uh Hornets or whatever they're called now. Isn't or Bobcats or I mean, whatever. Maybe I'm wrong, called. but isn't Charlotte, Virginia? No, North it's Charlotte. North Carolina. Oh, all right. I guess if you want to move to South Carolina, I guess that could technically work. I guess. You could move to what's the biggest city there? Uh or, oh, or this, is this is why this is why we oh, need yeah. Haynes on. Yeah, the one time. Haynes, wake up. <laughs> so so the Richmond Raptors. Okay. And, and the Richmond the, Blue Jays. Uh, I don't know if the Blue Jays work there, but the I don't know. Maybe the Could it the, could it work with because Richmond is really close to Baltimore in Washington, DC, is it not? Can you work with three teams in that close yeah, I think proximity? It is. Let's see. Let's look at Richmond on a map. I think it's far enough away. I mean, everything in the Northeast is within. I, I actually think Madison Square Garden and the Prudential Center, New Jersey, and New York are a ten-minute train ride apart. Three hours by so, traffic. Yeah, I. They're far enough away. I think that that works just fine, especially if, if you figure in that tri-state area, New Jersey, Long Island, and New York City you're half an hour away from each thing via public transport and it works there. I think they can get it done in Virginia. It's a pretty good distance. Just looking at this map. I mean, good on the 95, pretty good distance. So I'd say it's far enough away to make it worth your while. So I think Richmond would be a good spot for it. All right. I think we spent way too much time trying to move <laughs> these teams though. It needs to happen. It makes the most sense. I mean, baseball doesn't work. I've, I have the tweets. You can look, I have all my evidence pulled up, ready to go. Go ahead. So now I guess to put us back on the track, do you have any surprising NHL trade or signing that you thought was mind-blowing or just kind of part of the course? Anything you thought was – even if you thought it was cool, if you just thought it was a good trade, doesn't be a surprise. So the one thing that caught me was actually today. Um, Tarasenko going to Ottawa. It's not so oh, much yeah, that he went that, to yeah. Ottawa, but he went one-year, $5 million deal, and a report came out 
like an hour later that when free agency opened, Ottawa offered him a four-year, $5.5 million deal. And he didn't. Mm-hmm. And this this gets into Tarasenko firing his agent like a week ago or something like that. Um, but that whole scenario of, you know, what happened with all the teams that were in on him, San Jose apparently had offered him one year, six million. Uh, I guess Dallas was in on him for a little while. Um, he had a much better offer from Ottawa than the one that he ended up taking. Um, what surprised me, I guess, is how overplayed the hand that his agent was dealt um, or how far he overplayed that hand. And Tarasenko was the guy that ultimately lost out there, but I think it's a huge, huge win for Ottawa. And I'm really glad it happened this year and not at the trade deadline when Ottawa was making a run because, you know, I wanted that pick. But, um, yeah, I I think that's the one that, that kind of surprised me because I didn't see Ottawa being that landing spot. Didn't Tarasenko turn down a pretty decent-sized deal with the Blues, too, or is that... Well, so Tarasenko had turned down an extension offer from the Blues, um, but I believe with a year and a half or two and a half years left on his contract, he requested a trade from St. Louis. So I I don't know how much truth there is to him turning down a big contract from the Blues as much as he just didn't want to be in St. Louis anymore. And, you know, that that trade request came in just after he had shoulder surgery like two and a half years ago. So I don't know how much truth there might be to that, but I, I feel bad for him because at 32 years old, uh, a four by five and a half would have been a great contract to finish his career out on. And he's on a one year deal. If he doesn't play extremely well again at, you know, 32 or 33 years old, it's going to be hard for him to to get another offer like that. And the Cowboys won't be taking any yeah. more dead contracts. So <laughs> that was my that was my biggest shock too was seeing him sign there for only five million. Um, as far as I don't ones I don't think that... the numbers that shocking. It's the term. I'm really really surprised he signed a one year. Well, deal. when it can come out old. earlier with a four year, yeah. But as far as other shocking ones, this really hasn't been that shocking of an NHL offseason. I think everything that went down was kind of what was expected to go down outside of, outside of, I don't think a lot of people had Zucker to Arizona, but to bring Cat was rumored to go to Detroit. That's where he went. Um, they're just. I think that that you know maybe that, more that could maybe be more the, surprising is that Patrick Kane hasn't signed there. anywhere yet. Yep, yeah. that's exactly it. Oh yeah, Patrick that's Kane right. still hasn't yeah. signed anywhere. That might be the biggest shock because even though he saw a pretty sharp decline last year, there was no secret to the fact that he played hurt most of last year, and he was still relatively effective in a second line role. I don't think Patrick Kane is Jonathan Taves. He's not done. Um, 
as as players get older, the the wheels kind of slow down a little bit. Um, maybe not quite as much zip on your shot. But what always made Patrick Kane an elite franchise winger was the fact that he had vision unlike anybody else. He thinks the game a step ahead, and that doesn't tail off. Um, and his hands are obviously still there. He still makes some unreal passes. He stick handles unbelievably well. And he's extremely valuable to teams in a shootout. And I know that sounds like a a laughing point or a, a getting off point there, but teams play 15 shootouts a year, 12 shootouts a year, somewhere in that range. I mean, Patrick Kane by himself could win you an extra three games a year in the shootout. So that's a, a big deal when you're looking at Patrick Kane still sitting out there in free agency. And that's not to say that teams aren't offering him anything. You know, we don't know if if he's down to two or three teams that he's willing to play for or he'll hang him up, you know, if it got to it. But the fact that we're closing in on August and he still doesn't have a contract, that's kind of a big deal. That's a big surprise. What do you think he's worth? If you had to put a monetary value on him right now, today, July 28th, what do you what do you put him on? Honestly, Tarasenko's contract is probably what Patrick Kane should have gotten anywhere a one year 5 million or that yeah, old contract I, yeah no one year 5 million i think that's that's a perfect contract for patrick kane to go play one year somewhere on i'm i'm really kind of surprised considering he's a buffalo boy they have they could use that top 6 forward to kind of hold the door for their prospects as they come in would have boosted their team this year. I'm kind of surprised Buffalo hasn't signed him yet for all those reasons said, but maybe he's looking to be with more of a contender. Um, the other thing that I think that is relatively shocking is how few contracts that were signed this year that made me go, wow, that's a bad contract. There hasn't been a lot of overspending. Um, I think that's more from a player driven thing than a team driven thing, because I think we saw a lot more one year contracts given out this year than we have in past years. And we're expecting significant cap jumps in the next couple of years. And I think a lot of these players that are signing one year deals are looking at it going, I could play for one year somewhere, play myself into another contract when the cap goes up and I'll make 10% more than I would if I signed a four-year contract this year. Yeah, I think that is a huge part of it, is is players betting on themselves. And because I think that's exactly what the Zucker thing is. Granted, again, we may have slightly overpaid him to get him here, but him signing a one-year versus a three-, four-year deal is, hey, I can go and make another decent contract at the end of this after I go and put up 25 to 30 goals on this team. Um, and and there were quite a few of those guys. I mean, if if you look at um, you know, in addition to Zucker, and he wasn't the only one year deal here, but Tyler Bertuzzi, one year in Toronto, Max Domi, one year in Toronto. Um, you know, there there were quite a few big name guys that you were like, wow, what are they Tarasenko doing one year? Why are they doing one year contracts? Um, again, the Tarasenko one still doesn't necessarily make sense considering if you're talking about making 10% more, well, 5.5 million as opposed to 5 million this year, that's your 10% right there. 
you know, and that was turned down. So that one still doesn't make a ton of sense, but there were a lot of one-year contracts this year. Nobody really overspent because, and honestly, nobody really could. If you think about it, like nobody has money to spend right now. The cap's been flat for three years. When's it going to go up? I mean, should we not? I mean, pandemic's ne- next, year. next year. Next year, we're expecting it to go up. Grandy, what's the number? Four and a half million? Four, Four and a half, half million, million next year. A- and then five million the following year? Yeah. Bust, finally. Oof, that'll be nice. So, so, yeah, I mean, the cap this year, 83 and a half million. Um, 93 million could be the cap in two years. So that's that's a massive jump. We're talking almost 12% at that point. So I do think players are waiting until next year to look to cash in. That another thing that sticks out to me from this, as you were listening off all those one year deals, is Toronto has a lot of UFAs next year. They could be in real trouble if this year doesn't go according to plan. Yeah, I. I'm still curious as to what they do with Nylander because it so far it sounds like he's not coming off his $10 million ask. And honestly, after the team-friendly deal that that he signed as an RFA, if I'm him, I probably wouldn't either. Um, great comparison for him right now, even though they play two different positions. Sebastian Ajo um, got 9.75 uh, just a couple days ago on his extension. Ajo's a center, but they both are 40 goal scorers. Um, They're both elite play drivers. Um, There's some benefits to Ajo. He does kill penalties and, and, you know, being a center is obviously a big thing, but that's still got to be a comparable. Um, You look at the deal to and Caulfield signed. um, He's got to be miles ahead of those two right now. Um, to bring it coming off an off year, um, much smaller than Nylander, probably not as good defensively as Nylander and Caulfield. He, you're not buying a ton of his UFA years and he's still somewhat unproven. It was a Keller type contract. So if you're, if you're looking at those ranges and you're somewhere in between eight and 9.75 million, you got to imagine that whatever deal he signs is, 9.2 somewhere around there and that's that's kind of trouble for Toronto um when you look at how much they have to fill out and the fact that if they want to keep Austin Matthews he's not coming back at 11 and a half million either you know his his next deal is probably going to make him the highest paid player in the NHL for the Coyotes you also have the fact that they need they did do a lot, I will say, to fill out their depth scoring this year. They did take that approach a lot. I liked their offseason, even if it was only one-year deals. But, man, they, they just they need so much depth. They need some defensemen. They need, if Samsonov walks after this year, they need to, it's just, you can't be paying these guys what they are at the one top. Year deals, one-year deals in Toronto, John Klingberg. Is another one year deal that we saw this summer. That that was a, that was one that kind of was like I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, but like you basically signed Morgan Riley Light 
you know, another offensive defenseman who's an absolute liability in his own zone. You signed him for a year, but for some reason you went and traded Rasmus Sandin. I mean, this isn't Klingberg's not a replacement for that. Like, what are they doing? They they went Good in. Money. Toronto went into the offseason with like 17 million in cap space. And Tyler Bertuzzi might be the only real decent signing they had. And even then, he didn't have a great regular season. He earned his contract in the playoffs. He he was fantastic in seven games for Boston. But I I don't think Max Domi's a solution there. And Tyler Bertuzzi, he's not really he doesn't give them what they've been missing, and that's that that overly physical presence. Um, I know a lot of people hear those two names, and they're like, "Oh, these guys are going to bring so much aggression and and whatever else." Austin Matthews had more hits than both of them last year. Oh boy! I, I don't know if anybody knows that these these guys are like scrappy guys. Max Domi might be willing to fight, but he doesn't rub guys out on the wall. I mean, he's he's a guy that comes in and. We'll grab the puck late, get cross-checked in the back, get up and sucker punch somebody. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi, similar to that. He's willing to be aggressive. He's willing to be an agitator and a pest. But, you know, he doesn't he doesn't make you think about making a play. You know, he's, Max, he's not that guy either. Max Domi, too. It's so funny because it happens every year with him where – a bad team signs him. He goes off, has a really good offensive year because he's getting a ton of minutes because the team doesn't care if they win or lose. Then he gets traded to a contender. His stats go way down because you cannot trust him defensively in the slightest. He is horrible in his own zone. And then he walks and joins another team in the offseason, and the cycle repeats. This is how many teams has guy. he played for? It's like his seventh team. I six or seven. I mean, off yeah. the top of my head, uh, Arizona, Arizona Montreal, Montreal, Carolina, Dallas, yeah. Toronto, Columbus. Columbus yep. Um, he's played a quarter of the league. Yeah, I mean he's he's bouncing around, and it it has nothing to do with his offensive abilities. Those are there. I mean, yep. You're gonna get a forty or fifty point guy out of him, which is pretty solid, but. You know, those those players are available that do a lot more than just, you know, suck up some power play time and, you know, bury empty netters, which Max Domi's great at. I mean, he's he's great in the last minute of a game, helping put a game away, but he doesn't necessarily help a team get there. He's also a guy that takes a ton of dumb penalties. We're not talking about like the, you know, Ryan Reeves taking a, a ton of penalty minutes, but you know why he took them. Max Domi is like the slash behind the play, the bad trip, you know, the unsportsmanlike from mouthing off to an official, you know, stupid things that put his team in bad situations. And as bad as that has been throughout his career, which it's been bad, it was my biggest complaint with him when he was in Arizona. As bad as that has been with him. How much worse is that area going to be now that he's in Toronto and has to live oh, up to boy. the Domi name in Toronto? Oh boy. Good luck. Oh yeah, the, the pressure that he's gonna have on him there yeah. is just good luck. Mm-hmm. And 
And you wonder, I mean, Toronto fans already complain now about how they never get calls. They're actually pretty even in terms of calls for and calls against. You just added Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi. I mean, and Ryan Reeves. You guys are going to spend a shitload of time in the box. And what yeah. are you doing giving Ryan Reeves at 36 years old a three-year contract? Right. Are you serious? Like Tax write-off? That, that guy... That guy probably doesn't play more than 35 games a year on average over the next three years. That's a tax. No. Now that's a horrible this, waste of cap space. This, this is, is Brad Tree living like to a T in Calgary right now. It, it absolutely is. And to bring that to bring that to a boiling point, if this year goes poorly for Toronto. Well, Arizona looks like they take next steps. And Matthews oh. is a free agent. See ya. This isn't even me being a troll like it normally is. This is a <laughs> genuine, I feel it is far more realistic right now than ever before that Matthews could sign here next year. Is the hockey gods finally smiling <laughs> on us? Is that what this is? No, because what's going to happen is Brad Tree Living in an attempt to not let his superstars walk for nothing, is going to trade Austin Matthews for Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberto. <laughs> <laughs> well, then he'll just walk from Calgary. Sorry, Mike. He'll walk. <laughs> well, he'll take know. a bus to Edmonton and catch a plane. <laughs> oh, man. Just got to debate what jersey if Matthews I want to get. Black Kachina, White Kachina, Arizona Knights. You know what? I will never buy a, a jersey, an Austin Matthews jersey, if he signs here. And it has nothing to do with, you know, me not liking him as a player, as a person, anything like that. I I would love him to be here, but I am not going to be one of those guys that oh, yeah. is wearing That's an Austin same. Matthews jersey with 70% of the other fans that are there. That's true. It yeah. irritates me so much seeing the Coyotes play in Edmonton and everybody is wearing a Dreisaitl or a McDavid jersey. It's like nobody else on the team exists. That's how it was I when I went to the it. Angels game. It was Otani and Trout. That's all you saw, Otani oh, Trout. I have never owned a Shane Doan jersey in my life. I, I have plenty of autograph memorabilia from Doan. He was my favorite player for a very long time. I never owned a Shane Doan jersey. I, it's just it's hard for me to, to want to – to not go against the grain. I have a Vinny Henestrosa jersey. that uh, was one of my favorite ones to wear. Um, I got a signed Dvorak jersey. Like I, I always went for that player that uh, I thought was gonna be the next guy up, but I was wearing it when when he was in his rookie year or the second season. As much as I, I would love a Logan Cooley jersey, I can't do it. If I get one, I'm gonna get him to sign it. I'm gonna put it in a shadow box and hang it up but I'll never wear it to a game. I will. So, full honesty, I'm, I'm buying a Cooley jersey ASAP. But yeah, hell yeah. I'm also the guy who owns a Wojtek Volsky Coyotes jersey. So I, 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 had, I had a Greg Adams jersey. Um, My jersey, my shirt was Lee Stepniak. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. Stepniak, that's a good one. That that still kind of counts because he's still technically there. Yeah. Yep. 
Actually, with jerseys, this is a perfect transition if we're ready to go on to one of my first questions of the week. I made two this week because I had, you know, I was thinking this week. So for ready, boys, for question yeah. one. So while scrolling the internet, I saw a video of a guy, hockey fan, who asked, the, who said, they made the argument for why we should wear white at home. Now, I still am a wear color at home guy. That's just how I am. But he was saying, we should wear white because, you know, we're the home team. We get to see the other team's best jerseys when they play us. And I just want to know what you guys' quick thoughts on that was. It's an interesting kind of way to look at that as opposed to wearing color. So from a from a fan standpoint, I actually kind of like it because I, I don't think you worry as much about opposing teams' jerseys blending in or washing out your own colors at a game if – fans are now wearing white jerseys supporting their team um from a playing standpoint when when i play and my team's wearing a white jersey um occasionally you don't quite catch them as fast as you normally would that you don't you don't necessarily see them out of the corner of your eye like that bright color that pops and it's good and bad but as a player, when you're relying on your peripherals a lot, it's it's nice to know exactly where somebody is because you saw a blur of color as opposed to white and that guy blending in. So from a playing standpoint, I actually prefer to play in a jersey with color on it. So if you're taking full advantage of home ice, I think you as a player want to wear your colors. The thing that I find interesting about that is he said every team's best jersey is a colored one, and that's only true for like half the league. There's a lot of teams where their white jersey is far superior to their colors. Off the top of your but head, who do you got? I, well, Detroit for one, Chicago. Oh, yeah. So I, um, I think in reference to this, though, it's more a lot of teams' third jerseys are all colored jerseys. And a lot of teams' alternate third jerseys look a lot better than their standard jersey. But so to me, that's from that just standpoint, more I think it matters. Are... Oh yeah, I, I would agree. Me, you wear them at yeah, home, you yeah, show them yeah. off to your fans. Exactly. Yeah. So the Cowboys but, were white at home, and, and that, they that, never really wear their blue ones. And that right there for me is the cincher. It's it's the difference on how I felt about the Desert Knight jerseys, seeing them in still pictures versus seeing them in action. You should be able to see the jerseys like that at home. That is what they're for. I love that Desert Knight, by the way. That jersey is really grown on me. I'm definitely picking one out. A Keller one. I'm, I'm definitely getting a Keller Arizona Knight for sure. Yeah. That's a great jersey. I really do like that one. It, it it truly is amazing how much that jersey yeah. has grown on me. I yeah. couldn't stand yeah. it when it first got announced. Yeah, I didn't have the leaks. I didn't like it. I was not a fan when I saw the leaks. I was like, oh, no. No, no, and no. And now it is quite possibly my favorite jersey we have. Really? Uh, yeah. More than I reverse retros? It. More than both reverse retros? More than... Okay, the purple, oh. reverse, retro, purple reverse retros still beat it. But... For alternate jerseys, yeah, it is the second best alternate we've had. 
So for sake of, uh, we were going to do Puckpedia or Pucks Doku, whatever you call it. Uh, but for sake of time, and I had a better idea with that. So we're going to move that. So if those don't know, basically it's a Sudoku, but you do players, different teams, blah, blah, blah. We'll move that because I have a better idea for that. So my question of the week, so we can wrap this up and get everybody going home. And we've been here for an hour and 15 is, uh, I kind of alluded to it, but what fictional band would you want to play at an NHL intermission? Any from any media you can think of, any fake band from books, movies, TV shows, anything like that. Uh, oh, what is its name? What's it from? Oh, Star Wars Cantina Band. Powerline, Powerline, that's it. Oh, yeah, from the Goofy movie? Yeah, that's a good yes, one. Yes, that one, yes. too. Yeah, that's a good one. That's, that's a good it. one. There we go. That's it. That's, that's a good one. Picking. Yeah, it's a good 90s kid right there. Uh, good choice. That's actually what I thought of when I heard someone. I forgot where I got that question from, but I was like, oh, Powerline would be good. That's that exactly what I thought first, too, but I have a different answer, luckily. What are you, Matt? Anything. Books, movies, comics, whatever. Still, still thinking. I can go if you want. Yeah. Yeah, let's hear you. I was thinking, and I, this may be obscure. It shouldn't be, especially if you know Powerline, but the Hex Girls from that Scooby-Doo movie, that's just... Yes. Goth Girls, yeah. bro, that, I'm done. I'm done. But, Sold. But done. You, you don't care about their music. You want to see them for different reasons. I am actually a huge fan. I own six of their albums. So I don't know about you guys. I, I'm not in just the looks. I'm, I'm definitely more of a deep, melodic kind of fan. So that, that's definitely why I'm here. Not at all for any other reason other than the not, music. So Not not at all for the... the beautiful goth girls, girls that are absolutely grazing? No. No, of course not. Me? No, please. No. I'm a music fan first. Goth girl fan second. Easy. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to go with Steel Dragon. There it is. Steel Dragon. From Rockstar. Mark Wahlberg, Metal Show. I mean, that's the way to go. There it is. The other one I was thinking about was I am blanking. Oh my God, I'm blanking on their name now. Oh, the mockumentary. Mordic. Spinal Tap. Oh, yeah, Spinal Tap. Yeah, there you go. That yeah, Mordic the for, me, for me, it was between Powerline and Spinal Tap. Mordecai and the Rigby's. Uh, that band from that Star Wars Vision show is pretty cool, too. Uh, they're called Galaxy Wave or whatever. Galactic Wavers or whatever. They're pretty good, too. Okay. I guess uh, before we let the fine folks go, any last things you want to say before we get on out of here? Yeah, we did not work nearly enough cool puns into this uh No, we didn't. That's right. I'm a little disappointed in us. It was pretty cool, though. Still a cool episode. My room right, has cooled so we, down a bit. We've talked about all the new faces. What are you guys most excited for? Which one? Does Cooley not count? Like no, of, of everybody cool. they brought in this off season. No, he does. So, he, no, he does because he wasn't he counts? supposed to be here. Okay. So oh, it's point. it's Cooley. It's Cooley. It's simple. It's Cooley, but that seems too easy an answer. So I'm going to yeah. go Jersey. Oh, Dirty's a good one, yeah. I'm going to go with... I like Kerfoot a lot. I know he's not what he used to be, but I'm really excited for him to play. I think Kerfoot's my answer. Just obviously coolly, but again, easy answer. So I'll go with Kerfoot. So I'm actually going to go 
just a little bit off base here because I live in Tucson. I'm going Zach Sanford. Kind of excited to watch him play in Tucson. Huge, huge guy. I got to go to Tucson Roadrunners game. I haven't gone yet. Maybe this year is the year I'll go. Zach Sanford is the exact kind of player you need in an AHL game. He's going to be incredibly fun to watch down there. Yeah. Yeah, and and granted, you know, there's Logan Cooley and Dursey and Kerfoot and Zucker, and, and there's a million reasons to like what they're doing up here, but that's that Zach Sanford signing and what he's going to bring to the AHL, especially, you know, if Dylan Gunther ends up spending a little bit of time there or if Logan Cooley's got to spend a couple weeks there, he's going to be so much fun to have in Tucson for them. And the thing that's with Sanford is, well, his offensive ability makes him a bottom sixer in the NHL. I think he has enough offensive ability to play in that top six in the AHL. I think he can hold his own in that role. And I think, that he, I just think he's going to be exciting to watch down there in general. I mean, a line with him and Curtis Douglas on it, that's that's a scary line to go up against if you're a developing 19-year-old kid. Crunched. I mean, 6'7", Curtis Douglas, 6'8", maybe, and 220-some pounds, and Zach Sanford, I think, is 6'4", 6'5", somewhere around there, and another big dude. That's... That's going to be an imposing line. Definitely have to go watch a Roadrunners game this year. Definitely. Okay. That's it, boys. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, don't forget to check out InstaTheRink.com slash ESPN. Also, Granny writes a lot of articles on there. You, I think about one a day almost. Also, tons of other NHL, ECHL, whatever you can think of hockey. Going to be on there. Also, subscribe to the Arizona Sports Underground channel the Inside the Rink channel, and our very own YouTube channel, which I think this will be hosted on two of three or all three. We'll see whatever I can get into. But that's it, boys, from all of us here. Have a good night. We'll see you hopefully oh, next week. One last thought. Keep an eye out for our new podcast that's going to drop the Richmond Raptors podcast. That's right. And we'll be the first to know. <laughs> Head of the trend this time, baby. We're trailblazers. So we also have to then announce our other new podcast, the Richmond Blue Jays. Or Richmond I really Jays. hope they go through a rebrand, though, because I think the Blue Jays just doesn't work in Richmond. Richmond, oh, I can't do Rangers. Richmond, Richmond Raptors, just do them both. Just make them both the Raptors. They're owned by the same company, aren't they? Be you fine. can do one. You can do one as the Dinosaur Raptors and one as the Bird Raptors. We can just change the coloration of the Blue Jay. <laughs> you know, give it like like a sniper scope or something. It'll be all right. We'll figure it out. We, we got tons. We'll, we, we we'll got a marketing department. From a, we'll keep it simple from a podcast standpoint we'll just call it the rowdy richmond podcast there it is <laughs> <laughs> keep an eye out uh, we're troubling keep an eye out. we are i'll see you get what logo made all right well hopefully we'll see you next week have a good night